0: Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. I'm gonna read 2 Corinthians chapter nine. We're in the New Testament, uh, after the Gospels, after Acts, after Romans, and uh, we're going to chapter nine, and I'm gonna read a couple of verses to you this morning. It's really kind of intro what we're talking about. <clears throat> in verse 6, it says this. It says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your, in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. That's good. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Verse 10. For God is the one who provides seed. Somebody say seed. Seed. God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. And in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity within you. Can I pray for you? Father, we just thank you for the moments that we have together this morning. We thank you for your word. Uh, Father, we thank you that... um, Lord, you saw fit to to give us your words that would build faith, that would lead us to a deeper relationship with you, that would literally unlock the secrets of life. And so, Father, we dive in today with open minds and open hearts. Pray for anybody who came in with preconceived notions or ideas that would create a blockage between them and you today. God, that you would, uh, by your grace and your love, just just melt those things away, Father, so that our hearts can be exposed safely to you, that our minds can be open to what you're trying to say today. In Jesus' name mighty name amen now what we just read i want to kind of give a little preface because if you've been around the church world for a while or maybe you've studied the bible typically you read you know second corinthians chapter 9 and you're like oh we're talking oh we're talking about money they're talking about how you know at that time the the christians in jerusalem were struggling because of a bad economy and a famine paul was writing letters to churches to take up a collection to send to the church in Jerusalem so that they could be taken care of. And so, but I want to I want to kind of flip the script this morning a little bit because I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about a different type of seed. Uh, and you're like, well, you know, this, Pastor, I think you're taking this out of context, you know, if this is supposed to be about this. No, the principles here are the same because God's talking about when you when you sow seed, it is going to produce something. So we've been talking about prayer. And I'm going to take this scripture and I'm going to take the the, the accurate biblical principle is that God's communicating through this passage, and we're gonna talk about the seeds that we sow in prayer. We've been talking about this whole series, When People Pray, and we say this, right? When people pray, stuff begins to happen, right? Stuff happens, and uh, you know, prayer, the biggest thing about prayer is that we're not trying to change God. Prayer actually changes us, and it transforms us. It transforms our mindset. So anyway, I wanna, I wanna give you a little intro to this. I went running the other day. <laughs> You know, when, when someone says I went running the other day, clearly they're communicating this is not a frequent occurrence. Because they would have said, oh, I went running yesterday or this morning. No, for me, it was the other day. Uh, I kind of have this love-hate relationship with running. Um, I, I hate it when it starts, and I love it when it's done. Uh, at, least, at least the first moments when it's done, because about an hour later after I've sat down and I go to stand back up, then I remember that I just ran and it hurts. But anyway, love-hate relationship. And uh, so, so let, me, let me give you an example. So at this stage of life that I am in, and uh, for some of you, you're like, you're still really young. For others, you're like, okay, you're, you're not as young as you used to be. I'm 40. 40. You know, it's kind of like, well, 50 is over the hill. 40 is struggling to get to the top of that hill so that you can begin to roll down the other side of it. Um, I know I know, you're like, you look like you're 28. I appreciate that, but I'm not. And uh, that's not true either. But But I think after a lifetime of abusing myself with athletics and other adventures and whatever, maybe not taking care of myself the way that I should at all times, my body has ways of reminding me that I'm not what I used to be. So this particular run, this was this last week, and this is a true story, this happened. Typically for me, if I, if I go running, I start, and there's maybe a little, bit of, a little bit of pain, a little discomfort, but I just know at this stage in the game, that's the beginning, that's how it's gonna work. But I know that, you know, within a you know, couple hundred yards, I'm going to push through. My knees are going to loosen up. My ankles are going to loosen up. My lungs are going to stop burning. Yes, after a couple hundred yards, don't judge me. I'm trying, okay? And, um, but this particular day, usually I'll go out the front door. I start either the music or the podcast that's going on in my ears because I can't do it quietly. And, uh, and, I, and I do the running out. You know, the, the apps are like, they, it's, a, it's this nice soothing voice. It's like, you've gone a half mile. Your pace is, no, I don't want to know my pace. My, it's slow. Yes, thank you. I know it's slow. And so it's in there, and so I'm going, and I go for, like, the first step. To start going, I'm like, oh, that, that hurts. Well, wow, that hurts a lot. Oh, both knees. And so for whatever reason, on this particular day, I felt like from the very first pace step towards the run, that somebody had injected, you know, needles and razors in the joints in both of my knees. And I'm like, well, the sensible person would listen to the rationale of their body, And they would say, you you should, that's probably a great place to say, today's a walking day. Today's going to be a walking day. But I just, I was like, no, I feel like i got to push through. And so, you know, it turned into, I know I became the guy that I have passed while driving a car and pointed at and laughed at. I became that guy. Instead, it was more of a high-paced, waddling power walk with the arms. And as I'm doing this, I can feel, you know, when you run, you want to feel like, or at least think, you look like a stallion when you're just like, that's what you want to, I mean, when I was 10, that's how I ran. This was more like a, a drunk penguin. It's a power walk where instead of like rocking forward, you're literally limping on both legs, thinking that you're running. And I'm just telling myself, okay, this is, cars are passing me, like this is humiliating. This is humiliating. But I have to, I just felt like I needed to, to press through. And I did. I did press through. I kept going. Normally, half mile, I'm feeling good. Half mile into it, still hurting. Still doing the drunk penguin run. (laughs) And so I finally got to the mile mark, and the guy's like, you have now run a mile. Congratulations, Your pace of Nobody needs to know. Okay. And after a mile, things kind of began to loosen up. And I kind of got my my breath. My my knees stopped hurting in that substantial way. My ankles felt loose. And I kept going. And that's good. And I'm glad I kept going because had I stopped at that one-and-a-half-mile marker, I wouldn't have began to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me. What I was going to speak to you today, and ultimately, ultimately, what I believe God is speaking to you today, kind of through this experience. I had to fight through the pain of the process, and and actually, I I don't know. Looking back on it, and I try not to embellish stories, but guys, this thing can hurt. <laughs> I'm like, why? Why? Why am I, should I go see an orthopedic surgeon for this? I don't know what's going on. But then my wife reminded me later, because there have been moments where I've experienced certain things and the reason that I experienced a certain thing that was abnormal to me was because God was using it to get my attention, to create an analogy, to open up his word, to share it for somebody else. And I still prefer for God to just say something. But he knows how to speak to different people, I guess. I don't know. And, I, and how I continue to kind of get through that process and finish and, and actually, even when I finished, the, my pace was slightly ahead of what my normal pace is. And I was still trying to figure that out. But the only thing I could really realize is that I, I didn't allow the pain of the process to keep me from the progress. The pain of the process to keep me from the progress. And I pushed through the, through the pain and I kind of got into my rhythm. And if, you, if you're runners, you know there's, there's always that point. For most of you, it's probably sooner than what I experienced. But you kind of get to that point where your body loosens up and kind of gets into the run. And so finally, I was able to kind of relax, and I had the rhythm going, and, and so I started to pray, and I'm praying for my family, I'm praying for my wife, I'm praying for my kids, um, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for our team, praying for our city, that's just kind of my time to get out, and there's nothing else going on in my mind, it's just me and God and loud breathing. And, um, and, and, and God began to speak to me, and he told me, he said, listen, don't give up. And this was after I was feeling good, so I don't think he was talking about me running particularly. He said, don't give up. And he said, uh, and this was about prayer specifically, he said the, uh most people give up on prayer for two reasons. One, they don't trust the process, and two, they don't push through the pain. And as, he, and as he said this, he said this too, he said, the seed planted in prayer has to die before it can produce fruit. I don't know if, I don't know if everybody caught that. I want you to hear this. The seed planted in prayer has to die before it can produce fruit fruit. So don't allow the pain of the process to keep you from the progress. Actually, let me, let me rephrase it. Let me say it this way. Don't allow the pain of the planting to keep you from the joy of the harvest. Don't allow the pain of the planting to keep you from the joy of the harvest. And uh, so if you're taking notes today, I hope you are. I, the message title for today specifically in this in the series is plant that seed. Can you look at somebody and just say, hey, plant that seed plant that seed we're hoping that when you go home today that you have something inside your heart that is going to encourage you to lean in past the point of, of sometimes pain in our prayer and begin to plant that seed so let me let me read a passage to you um, to kind of illustrate this point and uh, and I've got it, I've got it written down so that I don't have to flip the pages and find it right now but that's okay first Corinthians um, so first we were from 2 Corinthians back up one to the first book of Corinthians uh, chapter 15 verse 38. Uh, 36 through 38. It says, when you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. That's where we get that. And what you put into the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or, I love this, whatever you're planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. That's so huge right here. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. I'm praying that in the spiritual realm, our garden is filled with a variety of different plants, that we are planting seeds of prayer into so many aspects of our life and beginning to lean into what God is going to make from it. So let me let me kind of lay this out as we go through this passage. First of all, this seed that we're talking about, let's connect the metaphors here. The seed is the need. The seed is the need. And it's interesting because this passage tells us that God is actually the one that provides the seed. So that tells you that God is actually putting need in your life that will activate the opportunity for you to take that need or that seed and plant it in faith through prayer. Prayer is the planting. So the seed is the need. It's what you're praying for, it's what you're praying about. Prayer is the planting. And I'll say for the third thing, fervent prayer is the watering of what you've already planted. So which means that once you have planted the seed in prayer, keep praying. Once you plant something in the ground, if you're trying to grow a garden, typically you wanna make sure that it's, it's watered, right? We got some tomatoes growing in our backyard, starting to come around, they get watered every day. So we got some jalapenos, that right now they're about like an inch tall. They're probably still pretty spicy, but we're gonna give it a little bit more time. But those things get watered every day. It's not gonna grow, it's not gonna produce the fruit unless it's watered. The pain of prayer is the process of the seed being planted, dying, and then ultimately producing new life. Prayer plants that seed, prayer waters the seed, but listen to this, it's God who makes it grow. It's God who makes it grow. That means that ultimately he's the one who's going to uh, dictate the process, not because God is a control freak, but because God has beautiful plans that involve you and the things that you are praying for, the people that you're praying for, and God ultimately is gonna do what is best to see his plan unfold in somebody's life. We can trust God with the results. We can trust God with the results. Maybe for somebody that morning, that's that's a faith confession. Like, I don't even know if I believe it yet, but I'm just gonna say I can trust God with the results. But let me ask you this question. What if we began to pray unrelenting faith and flexible heart prayers let me say that one more time unrelenting faith flexible heart what if those were the type of prayers that we began to pray let me uh, let me let me throw this out to you because here's the deal so often when we pray I'm guilty guys I've done this I don't even know how many times I pray for something but almost immediately in the moment I doubt the the I doubt that what's going to happen what I just pray I'm like God will you do this but in my mind I'm saying that's not going to happen or, God, I, I'm really believing for this to happen. I think this is possible, and I'm saying it through prayers, and I'm planting seeds, but I'm not watering it. I'm just walking away. So the Bible calls that double-mindedness. It calls that divided allegiance, where, where you're, you're saying one thing, but immediately you are opposing the very thing that you were just saying. There's a In James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, I want to read this to you. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. It's like if you don't have something, it's not, hey, should I ask God if he can bless me with this or if he can do this? Absolutely. God's not going to punish you even if you ask for the wrong things. God doesn't rebuke you or punish you because you messed up or didn't do something right. He just wants to get you into a conversation with him so that he can build relationship with you and begin to unfold the things that he wants to reveal to your life. It says, but when you ask him, check this out, be sure that your faith is in God alone. God, will you provide this job for me? And instead of allowing the process to take place, you go out and try to make it happen your own. God, I, I'm really believing that you've got the perfect person for me to marry. God, will you will you help me become the person that you want me to be for that person? And will you bring that right person to me? And then we go out and we we try to find it ourselves. We try to make it happen ourselves. That's those are just a couple of examples. Anyway, it says, "Do not you know if your faith in God alone when you pray, do not waver." For a person with divided loyalty or double-minded is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Listen to this. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And that's not because the Lord doesn't want to give something to you. It's because we're not putting our wholehearted wholehearted faith, our unrelenting faith, believing that we can trust God with the results. All right, so I'm going to give you a formula. And I almost never do this because I really think putting, like, spiritual formulas most of the time is a disaster. Because that's me saying this is something that will work for everybody in every situation. And in many times it's not because God deals with everybody in such different ways because of their journey, right? But I think this is one that I think is pretty solid based on what we're seeing in Scripture. Unrelenting faith times flexible heart equals powerful results. Unrelenting faith. You know, unrelenting is just, it's, you're tenacious, like you refuse to give up. You refuse, regardless of what the results are, you refuse to give up. You are unrelenting in your pursuit of either what or who you are going after. Your belief is unshakable when it's unrelenting. So let me talk to you about prayer that is unrelenting in faith. So James 5, 16 in the Passion translation, I love these words, watch this. It says, for tremendous power is released through passionate and heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. That is unrelenting faith. Prayer that is unrelenting means we're our tenacity, we're going after it. Knowing who you are praying to is so much more powerful than what you are praying for. It's so true. It's so powerful. I think we get caught up in the God, if you're real, and we start throwing out these, you know, these these Hail Marys and these mic drops and these bombs and these hopes. God, if you're real, and we start throwing these things out there. But I'm telling you that if we get a revelation of who God is, it's gonna transform how we pray. It's gonna transform how we see things. It's gonna transform who we are. When our unrelenting faith, our our prayer life that comes from that is trusting in the hands of our Heavenly Father, whom we pray to, then we, will, we don't have to face the discouragement when God begins to shift how we pray. When, we're pray, when our focus is what we're praying about, then we're constantly gonna be uh, measuring our prayers based on the results that we get. But when our focus is on who we're praying to, it's no longer about us giving results we're asking for, it's about us connecting with the one we are asking. And trusting him with the results to realize that, hey, God is perfect. We're not, right? And so I may ask for the wrong things. I may ask for the wrong, I may ask for it in the wrong way, but God is so faithful that he's going to, he's going to, he's going to shift my mind. He's going to transform my heart. He's going to change the way that I think, the things that I was asking for. I look back in history on my life. I'm like, oh my dear Jesus, thank you for not answering so many of my prayers. Can I get an amen? I know somebody can relate to that this morning. Flexible heart. So we've got unrelenting faith prayer, and we've got prayer that has a flexible heart. This is so important. 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty-eight. from that verse we just read a second ago, it says, then God gives it a new body, gives it the new body he wants it to have, and a different plant grows from each type of seed. I love that. We're going to take the seed. And you're like, well, if, you know, if it's a certain seed, I know what it's going to produce. Yeah, but you don't know what the tree is going to look like. You know that it's going to kind of grow, and it's going to have leaves, and it's going to have branches, and it's probably going to be what we think it is in the sea, but when it comes to our prayer life, God is so amazing, and God is so faithful, and he was just asking you to trust him. He's just asking you to say, hey, don't sit back and just wait for God to make stuff happen. Be persistent and go after it in prayer increase how you pray increase when you pray increase the passion connected to your prayer don't throw up you know throw up our words to a you know an unknown invisible god throw your prayers of faith to the god that you know is a creator of the heavens and the earth that maybe you have not seen with your eyes but you've seen everything that he's made and you see that what he's done in other people's lives that you even long for, and to know that he's gonna do that in your life as well. So take those seeds that God has given to you: the needs, the opportunities, the desires in your heart, the passions, the things that you want to see happen, plant those things in the ground with prayer, water those things with prayer, trust God with the results, and when it becomes to when it starts to sprout up, you can know with confidence that God is going to produce in you, if your heart is in the right condition, something that is going to absolutely blow your mind that's why Paul can say in Ephesians 3 20 that God will do immeasurably greater than anything you could ever hope and imagine greater than your wildest dream your wildest imagination God will blow that out of the water why not because if we just got what we prayed for Ephesians 3 20 wouldn't exist because we wouldn't get something that's going to blow our mind we would just get what we asked for God's like oh that's a cute prayer Oh, that's what you wanna do with your life. That's, that's cool, that's, that's cute, that's precious. Which well, are, sure, you know, if you're a parent, you're insulting your child when you give them that answer, but they don't know that. You like oh, they think I'm cute and precious, that's great. But guys, like, no, I know I really wanna replace what you're asking for with something that is so much more amazing. You've been asking for this type of marriage, but that's only because you can compare it to what you've seen in other people And you're like, I want what they have, but you don't know what they had to do to get where they are. And you're not them, so you don't want to be who they are because God's got something special and different for you. So we need to stop praying prayers that are comparison prayers, trying to get us to be what we saw in somebody else. And trust that what God wants to do in our life is something that is going to be new and special and unique and fresh for you. And yeah, you deserve it. It's 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 not because of anything you've done, it's because of who you are. You're a son and a daughter of God. You are, you are chosen. Before the, before the earth was even formed, God knew you. Before you were even a concept in your, in your parents' eyes, before you were even a detectable heartbeat in the womb of your mother, God knew your name. He knew who you would be. He knew the plans that he had for you, and the plans are going to be to blow your mind. But before that can even happen, we have to have a revelation of who God is. And we have to begin to pray prayers and say, God, this is what's in my heart, and this is what's coming out of my mouth. I'm going to plant the seed. I'm going to water it. But, God, I don't know what it's going to turn into. I'm going to trust you with it, but I'm not going to stop asking. Because unrelenting faith in your prayer means I'm I'm going to knock on the door, and I'm not stopping until somebody opens up this door. I'm gonna keep asking until somebody gets tired of me asking and then get an answer or something happens. I'm gonna keep seeking after what I'm looking after until either I find what I'm looking for or God grabs a hold of my heart and points me in a different direction because I've been looking in the wrong way. Some of y'all got dreams in your heart, things that you've been passionate about, crying out for, and you're pointed in the wrong direction and God wants to change your direction to let you know that what he has for you is so much bigger and so much better than anything that you could ever imagine but we've been limiting ourselves because we've been comparing ourselves. The Bible actually tells us that those who compare ourselves amongst ourselves are not wise. That's a really gracious way of saying it's really stupid to compare yourself. It's really stupid to try to be like somebody else. I grew up trying to be like Mike. It was ridiculous. I'm not Mike. It didn't work out like Mike. For the younger generation, that's Michael Jordan. It was played basketball. Forget it. Okay. Back in the day. Jump man. Okay, there we go. Let's connect it. That's Michael Jordan. Okay, anyway. But guys, listen, let me, I want to tell you something. Uh, sometimes, you know, you can hear me say stuff like I'm saying right now about prayer, and, and maybe it can come across like I'm telling you, like, if you're struggling with this, then there's something wrong with you. But listen, a flexible heart means that you're willing to, to, to surrender something that is even very precious to you. Something that is very heartfelt and passionate. I don't think most people cry out to God for something that doesn't mean something to them. Whether you are praying for the healing of a loved one who is deathly ill, or whether you are praying for you know, passionate dreams that are in your heart, that you lay awake at night thinking about, dreaming about, you're not even sure how it's possible, and so I'm not trying to tell anybody that, that you're, oh, well, well, you're just doing it the wrong way and, and you should feel it. No, you shouldn't feel bad about it. You should continue to dig in and plant more seed. But I want you to know that it's okay to wrestle with the process. That's why there's pain in the process. Because the things that usually are going to make you stronger are the things that at times often can cause pain in your body. Or it can cause pain in your emotions. It's usually how we respond to that pain that determines whether there's damage done to who we are or whether we become stronger in those moments. So listen, I wanna give you just a bit of encouragement if you've had prayers that are painful, that are not being answered. And I want you to know that guess what? Jesus struggled with it too. Would that make anybody feel better if you knew that Jesus was struggling with something that you were struggling with? Check this out. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 35, this, this was right before Literally, right before Jesus was about to be completely betrayed by one of the closest people in his life, handed over and illegally arrested, illegally tried, wrongly convicted, and sent to the cross and crucified. It was the plan of God, but guess what? It was still something Jesus had to go through. And these are the words of Jesus. He got away right before this happened. He's with his disciples. He kind of stepped off to pray. And it even describes this moment emotionally for Jesus as him being in, in anguish and being in pain. And even like he, he was sweating so hard just through the emotions of the moment that it was like drips of, drops of blood that were coming off of him. And Jesus said these words. He goes, my father, if it, is, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. But he came back to this moment because he trusted his heavenly father. He trusted our heavenly father with the results. He goes, Yet, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I wonder what would happen if our prayers began to submit to that process of saying, God, this is what I think I want. This is what I'm believing for. This is what I'm asking for. This is what I'm hoping for. But ultimately, God, I want your will to be done, not mine. I realize it's so much easier said than done. But that's why it is so crucial for us to have an understanding of who we are praying to instead of just what we're praying for. Jesus was basically saying, Father, I don't wanna go to the cross. I don't, I don't wanna feel that pain. I wonder who here is, you're in a lot of pain right now in your heart. You're in a lot of pain right now with what you're going through. Um, I wonder if you're asking that same question to God. God, can, this, can I not have to go through this? But if it wasn't the pain that Christ went through, we wouldn't have the freedom and the salvation and the forgiveness and the grace and the love and the kindness and the mercy of God that we get to live in today. So no, it's not God's will for you to be in pain. That's not what that's about. But it is God's will for you to become the person that he created you to be. To see things the way that he sees them so that you can begin to be the person that God created you to be and to have the impact on those around you. So check this out. The reward of pushing through the pain of planting is a harvest of joy as you see God move through your prayer life. And honestly, as you see God move through others through your prayer life. There's, I'm telling you, there's something so powerful about seeing other people's lives changed that you've been praying for. I mean, there, I, I'm, I'm telling you, probably a bunch of us in here have stories of, of a mom or a grandma or somebody that they were, they were the prayers, right? The praying grandma, the praying mama, who for years and years and years and years were praying for their child, praying for their grandchild, praying for their loved one to see all of a sudden, to see something come out of the ground. See God move in somebody's life. I'm telling you, the pain of praying for those type of things and having literally years and decades and seasons of life pass without seeing the fruit of what you're praying for, that's when it really gets tested. Am I going to trust the one I'm praying to, or am I going to be discouraged because I'm not seeing what I'm praying for? God's saying, hey, you got to trust me because I'm trying to do something special in your life. And it all comes back to kind of that opening scripture. And i will have the keys come up. We're going to wrap this up here. I'm going to pray for some people. But the, the first verse and the last verse that we read in our opener in 2 Corinthians says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Let's rephrase that. The farmer who prays only a few prayers, not a whole lot of unrelenting faith an inflexible heart. Now you might see some results from some prayers, but it's not gonna be what it could be. Verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed. He provides the need for you. You know why? Because he believes that you're the person who, who has the ability to see results. God's not gonna give you something that is a need if he doesn't trust you with the need to give it to you in the first place. So the whole reason why you have this need or this problem or this situation is because through that, God is going to do something amazing that's gonna transform your life and it's gonna transform the lives of other people involved as well. God trusts you with the need. He provides the seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. So that means that there is going to be provision in your life, blessing in your life that is going to be the fruit of the process of the prayer that you refuse to give up on. It says, in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Why? Because as you begin to see God move through your life, it builds a testimony. You know what testimony is? Some people think a testimony is a story of all the bad things you used to do. And then at the very end of that story, we say, oh, and then I found Jesus and got saved and everything's great now. No, the testimony is the fact that that God even reached out to you with his love and grace far before you ever knew it and reached out to you and got a hold of your life before you ever knew it and brought you on a journey of discovery of grace and love and truth to bring you to the point where your scaled blind eyes would be open to realize that God was there with you from the very beginning. The moments where you thought you were going to die and the moments where you were up high and the moments where you were down low, God was there the entire time. That's really what salvation is. It's that moment of discovery that God has been there because he is, he was, and he will always be. And your eyes are open and you're able to give that confession. Jesus Christ is my savior. He was there with me all along. He always will be. So before I pray for you this morning, I just wanna encourage you, don't don't give up, don't quit. When it hurts, when there's pain, don't let that stop you. Push through the pain because the fruit that's gonna come from the seed that you plant in that season of pain is gonna be something that is going to be a resource and a blessing for you and even more than you can contain, it's gonna be a resource and a blessing for people around you. Don't stop praying for your husband. Don't stop praying for your kids. Don't stop praying for your job. Don't stop praying for that person who has cancer that needs to be healed. Don't stop praying for the impossible situation in your life. Don't give up on that thing. Don't give up on it. Don't stop praying for the person you know who's addicted to drugs and they keep going back to it. Don't stop praying for the person that you know is struggling with pornography and they don't know how to stop. Don't stop pushing in. Because most of the time, I, I know this, most of the time when we're praying, we're not, we're not praying for ourselves. we got people that we love. We have people that are on our hearts and minds. Don't give up on them. Don't allow what you see in them to be the thing that keeps you from pushing through so that they can be the person that God says they can be. People are counting on you. There are miracles, not just in your life, there are miracles on the other side of the seed that you're planting for other people. But it's going to take people, I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, Convo, it's going to take people who are going to have unrelenting faith in their prayers. Well, you know, I've been praying for months. It didn't happen. Keep going. I've been praying for years. Keep going. Because here's the thing. At the very least, if you've been praying in the wrong direction and you have a flexible heart and your focus is on who you're praying to and not just what you're praying about, God will be able to take your flexible, which is a soft, a humble heart, and say, "Hey, I need you to shift a couple of degrees. I need you to pray this way. You're praying for a certain outcome that looks good to you, but it's not going to look good for them. I have something that I want to do in them, so I need you to pray this way. I'm going to give this one to you. I don't know for all you church people, you've heard this before. Maybe you need to hear it again, but for those that you're new to this whole thing, you're still checking it out, there's a saying called PUSH. It's it's an acronym. And it stands for pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. When we push through with unrelenting faith, a flexible heart, church, I'm telling you, we're gonna see stuff happen Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on convochurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church podcast.